0: This morning, we continue in our uh, series called, We Want to See Jesus. And what we've been doing is we've been walking through the Old Testament, uh, seeing Jesus there. We see him foreshadowed, we see him prophesied about on the pages of the Old Testament scripture. Uh, And one thing that's been really cool about this series, which uh, if I'm honest, I didn't have the intention of, but at the beginning, but we see salvation history play out on the pages of scripture, haven't we? We see how Adam and Eve have sinned by doing what God told them not to do, and yet God promised a Savior. God created humanity to dwell with him, to live with him, to walk with him, to to talk with him, to have a relationship with him where they saw God, walked with God, lived with God, but then Adam and Eve sinned. They listened to the devil's lies. And if you were with us on that very first week, what what do we say that Adam and Eve essentially did when they sinned? They said, God, here's what you have told us to do, but we don't trust you. We don't want to listen to you. We don't want to follow you. Instead, we're going to listen to the lies of Satan. We trust him, and we're going to follow him. And they ate from that fruit. That's what we do every time that we sin. We essentially tell God, you're wrong, I don't trust that you have my best interests at heart, and I'm going to follow myself, or I'm going to follow the lies of Satan, and I'm going to go and sin. And yet, what does God do? For people who who slap him in the face like that, he doesn't turn his back on them. Instead, he sends a Savior. He promises to send a Savior to undo What Satan did, to break apart the relationship of humanity and Satan and to redeem that relationship and restore it between him and humanity. And that's what the whole scriptures are about. God's plan of salvation coming to fruition as Jesus is born, as he sends his Savior. And so we've been walking through the Old Testament, seeing Jesus uh, as we go along. And last week we looked at how uh, God came to dwell with his people. In the temple. We saw how how nothing in this world can contain God, and yet he contains himself. He 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 brings himself down to be constrained to a temple, also that people and God can dwell together. And at the end of last week, we said that Jesus came to dwell with us so that we could dwell forever in heaven with God. But we don't have to wait until forever to dwell with God. We dwell with Him now as we open up His Word and we read His Word. God comes to dwell with you and me. As we open up the pages of Scripture, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, the Bible says. And so what happens if we lose it? That's what we're going to look at today as we look at how the Jewish people, the Israelites, lost... God's Word. We're going to see how you lose the Word of God, and we're going to see why it is so important to have the Word of God. We're in 2 Kings chapter 22 today, and uh, we're going to see an eight-year-old boy become king. Uh, so if you have time, the timeline in your mind, Solomon, around 950 BC, roughly, Josiah, we are now in 622 BC. So about three, just over 300 years have passed between these two accounts. Here's what we're told, the first two verses. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah. She was from Boscoth. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Stop right there. Get over the fact that, uh, after we get over the fact that an eight-year-old becomes king, which is incredible in itself, what we hear about Josiah is even more incredible. He's an eight-year-old boy, and what are we told? He follows the ways of his father David and doesn't turn from the right or left. His ancestor was King David, who lived in 1000 BC, and he followed the ways of David. In other words. He worshiped God and God alone. David, we said last week, David had all kinds of sins, and they're on the pages of Scripture for us to see, but what did David never do? Worship idols. Worship idols. And that's what it means when he followed completely the ways of his father David. Josiah never bowed down to idols. He always had God as his number one. And that is incredible when given the spiritual culture 622 BC in in Jerusalem. It was a very dark time, spiritually speaking, uh, where everyone just about worshiped any other God except the Lord. In fact, Josiah's dad and grandfather, if you remember back to our series in the summer, uh, his grandfather was Manasseh. And if you remember what Manasseh did, he worshiped other gods and even killed his own kids in sacrifices to idols. Ammon, his dad, Josiah's dad, we're told, worshipped all the other gods, but forsook the Lord. He worshipped every other god, but when it came to the Lord, he said, no thanks. And yet Josiah grows up following the Lord and the Lord alone. How did that happen? Not by some magical coincidence. His mother, Jedidah, and her father. They passed on God to him. Because he didn't go to the temple to get it, because as we're here later on, what was happening in the temple? Idol worship. The temple that was built for the Lord to dwell in. They had taken everything out, including the Ark of the Covenant. They took everything out and made the temple for, that was dedicated to the Lord into an idol temple and filled it with idols. And so he couldn't even go to the temple to hear about the Lord. The only way was passing down from mother to son. Parents, we sit here in the 21st century, and I'm sure some of you look at the future and think, what is America going to look like, spiritually speaking, for my kids when they're my age? And we can stay up all night worrying about it. And yet, look at Josiah. In a spiritually dark culture, he clung to the Lord. How? One generation passing it down to the next. The importance of bringing God's Word into your home and passing it down to the next generation. It's not just going to happen magically. It's by you discipling your children. You bringing the Word of God home. Talking about it. Implementing it bringing them to their Savior. And then we leave them to their Savior. And they grow up knowing the Lord. And we know that the Lord loves them, died for them, and he will be with them in the future. Family discipleship works. We see it right here. It's the only way that he grew up knowing the Lord. And that's true for your kids too, when you pass the word of God down. But Josiah just didn't know the Lord. He was on fire for the Lord. In Second Chronicles chapter 34, we hear another, uh, a, another account of this very same thing. And what we're told is when he, when he turns 20 years old, Josiah goes on a campaign, but not against uh, another nation. He goes on a war campaign against idolatry in the land. He, he travels through all of Israel, tearing down the altars, burning up the idols, and getting rid of idolatry in Israel. And then when he turns 26 years old, he says it's time we revamp the temple. We're removing the idols from there, and we're going to give it a facelift. Because it's been 300 years, and it's been not taken care of, and idols have been made, it's been made the home of idols. And so he starts collecting money. And he sends the money to the, the temple where the high priest is looking over The construction or the the uh, the revamping of the temple. Here's what we're told: In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the temple of the Lord. He said, "Go up to Hilkiah the high priest and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to to supervise the work of the temple." And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are honest in their dealings. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shefan the secretary, I found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Stop right there. Did you catch what the high priest said? I have found the book of the law. Either Deuteronomy or the entire first five books of the Bible, which was also known as the Torah, the law. Either way, what does it imply? We found it means we lost it. <laughs> we lost the word. And this is the high priest This is the the priest of all the priests, the one who's supposed to be the go-between between between God and the people, and he had no idea where God's word was. How could they lose it? It's your first point this morning. They lost the word by neglecting the word. They lost the word by neglecting it. When you stop and think about it, it, It's incredible in a bad way. When when you think of Solomon's dedication to the temple and all of the sacrifices that they sacrificed at that day, at the dedication of the temple of the Lord, and the hearts and the passion the people had for the Lord, how did 300 years later they lose the word of God? By neglecting it. And it's really not hard to see how this happens. Let me paint you a scenario. First generation, goes to the temple or the synagogue, hears the word of God, worships the Lord of God, offers their sacrifices to the, to the Lord, and then they come home during the week and they talk about the Lord in their home. They talk about the word with their kids. Next gen- They grow up, those kids, and they go to the temple every week or they go to synagogue every week, but they don't bring the word home. Their kids grow up, And they're only going to the temple or synagogue twice a month, maybe three times on on a good month. But they definitely don't bring the Word of God into their home. Their kids grow up, and guess how often they attend temple or synagogue? Special festivals. And guess what their kids, how often they attend? Not at all. Neglecting the Word of God by the fourth generation, the Word and the Lord is no longer needed. It's no, he's no longer a priority. But it doesn't even take that long, does it? All it takes is for one generation to say, I don't like what the Word says, therefore, I'm not going to listen to it. I don't like how it corrects my lifestyle. I don't like how it tells me to live a certain way, and so I don't want to hear it, so I'm going to neglect it and not listen to it. Well, guess what that next generation is going to do? Have no reason to be in the Word of God, and now they've lost the Word. And it's no wonder that idols filled the temple because they neglected the Word of God. What about us? As we look at America and the culture that we live in, We can say it's a spiritually dark culture, gray at best. And what's the solution? I've talked with several of you, and I know what you say. We need to get the word back into our government. We need to get the word back into our schools. And you're right. God's word is no longer a driving factor in a lot of the policies that are made across America. And I know living in Texas, some of you have told me, you know what we need? We need to get the word back into our public schools and prayer back into our public schools. You're right. But before we start worrying out there, we need to wrestle with a lot more uncomfortable question What about us? You don't have to raise your hand for this. You're welcome. How many of you own a Bible? How many of you know where that Bible's at? When was the last time you opened that Bible? You want to talk about neglecting the word. We live in America in the 21st century where we have the Bible so readily available to you and to me. Or during Josiah's time, if they wanted to hear the word of God, they had to go to the synagogue or to the temple. Very few people had God's word in their homes. And yet, how many of us have it in our homes and it stays on the shelf? Or how many of you have the Bible at at your home and you don't even know where it's at? And some of you are saying, Well, I know where my Bible's at because it's on my phone and that's always with me. Okay, when was the last time you opened that Bible app and didn't get distracted from a text message that came through? Or didn't get distracted and go on your social media platforms? When was the last time you didn't just look at the push notification for the verse of the day, but actually opened up God's word and let God talk to you? You want to talk about neglecting the word of God we lose the word of God and it's right under our nose every single day because we neglect it. And I'm going to push a little harder. If you aren't in worship on a regular basis, you're going to really have to wrestle with why. You're going to really have to worship with, or wrestle with the why. If you're not in our connect groups or in a Bible study, you're really going to have to wrestle with Why? if you're not reading your Bible every day, even for 10 minutes, you're going to have to wrestle with the why. And you're going to have to wrestle with, am I neglecting the Word of God? Have I lost the Word of God, and it's right on my shelf, right in my pocket, am I neglecting the Word of God? And you're going to have to wrestle with that. And I know what some of you are thinking in your, in your hearts and in your minds because it's what I think too. It's hard. I'm so busy. You don't understand everything that I have going on. And you're right. We are busy. And yet it's the lies of Satan that he whispers to us that says you can't take 10 minutes a day to open up the word. That the God of this world wants to communicate with you and me. And yet we say I'm too busy for 10 minutes for you, God neglecting the word of God. Do you want to lose it? Neglect it. Because that's what we see happen during Josiah's time. And yet, do you know what we also see? The grace of God. They found it. They found it. They lost God's word. And it's not like just losing a Bible where you can go to Mardell's and buy another one. They lost God's word. And yet, by God's grace, He had them find it. It's God's grace to you today. He holds out his word once again. I want you to know me, he says. And it's right here. And by God's grace, Josiah heard it for probably the first time. He heard God's word. Here's what happened. Then Shephan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him. Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. And Shefan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And shephan read it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, son of Shephan, Akbar, son of Micaiah, Shephan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. What I find really interesting here is that uh, Josiah has been doing the Lord's will. He's been going about tearing down the idols, bringing people away from idolatry. He's been burning up the idols, and yet when he hears the word of the Lord, what does he do? He tears his robes, which is an act of sorrow. It was an outward act of what he was feeling in his heart. Sorrow. Why? Because it's probably the first time that he's hearing and knowing the Lord's heart. He knew about God, he knew some things about God, but he's learning clearly about the heart of his God. Because that's what the word of the, God, of the Lord does. It's your second point. The word takes you from knowing about the Lord to knowing the Lord. And if you want to make it a little bit more specific, from knowing about the Lord to knowing the Lord's heart. To knowing the Lord's heart. You can know about God from nature. You can know about the Lord in general, but if you really want to know the heart of your God, you have to be in the Word. For those of you who are in our Sunday morning Bible study, uh, that's what we've been saying the last couple weeks as we study the Trinity, right? You can see that person across the way. And you can say, I want to know that person. And you can get to know them a little bit by observing them. You can see the clothes they wear. You can see how they conduct themselves, whether confidently or or maybe they lack self confidence. But how are you going to know the heart of that person? By communicating and listening to the words they say. We can know about the Lord, but how are we going to know the heart of the Lord? Only through the Word of God. And that's what Josiah is experiencing for the first time. He's learning the heart of the Lord. And what is he learning? Just how close to judgment his people are. He's hearing for the first time how God said, If you turn away from me, Israelites, I will destroy this temple and I'll uproot you from the land. And Josiah's hearing that sin has a consequence, sin has a price, and the Lord is holy and he demands perfection. But do you know what also he's learning for the first time? Just how gracious and merciful his God is. And how do we know it? Because if we were to turn the page to the next chapter, what do they celebrate for the first time in forever? The Passover. They celebrate the Passover and it was celebrated in a way that it hadn't been celebrated in years. And what's the Passover all about? Remembering how God delivered and saved them from the Egyptians remembering the saving acts of their God. Do you want to know how you get to know the heart of your God? It's through the Word of God. Do you want to know how you know the Lord's heart? That He hates sin, and that there's judgment coming for sin. It's only through the Word. And for some of you, that's why you don't like like to be in God's Word because you don't like to be confronted over your sin and yet it's something necessary and that we need to hear like a doctor who has bad news for us we have health issues it would be wrong for us to neglect that news and not listen to it god says i've got bad news for you you've started to listen to satan and his whispering lies And he's leading you astray. And judgment is coming for Satan. And if you are on his side, you will face judgment too. We only hear that in the word. But what we also hear in the word is a heart that God has for you. That he is full of mercy and compassion. And he has a heart to save you and deliver you, redeem you and restore you to him. You will not get that in a tree stand. You will not get that message on your kid's sidelines. You will not get that in your office. It is only in the word of God that you get to know the heart of your God. So where's Jesus? We want to see Jesus, where is he in all this? Well, what do we say Get you to know the heart of God, the word of God? About 700 years after this account, the Apostle John wrote his gospel. And how does he begin John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. What does Jesus do He is the one who ultimately reveals the heart of our God. And we see it at the cross, don't we? Where Jesus is hanging on the cross, what do we see? The heart of God for judgment over sin. For all the times that we neglect the word, for all the times that we go our own way, Jesus pays for it all and God's judgment and justice over sin is taken out. But there at the cross of Christ, in Jesus, the word of God, we see his heart revealed. Because God the Father sent His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That Jesus, the Word of God, we see God's heart. Just how far He'd go to save you, He would send His one and only Son. You want to get to know the heart of God? Look at Jesus. And there you will see a love that knows no ends. A love that sends His own Son to have you as His own. To give up his own son so that he might call you his child. It is only through Jesus that we get to know the ultimate heart of our God. And where do we find Jesus? Only in the word. We need the word of God. We hold on to the word of God because it's only through the word that we get to know the heart of our God. We have started the Christmas season. And I'm pretty excited. I've been listening to Christmas music since like October, so I'm ready. Um, But with Christmas comes all kinds of busyness. Uh, In fact, I've been talking this morning with some people and talking about how the calendar is getting packed already. Let's make it a conscious effort to not neglect the word this Christmas season, but to hold on to it, to be in it, to let God speak to us, to communicate with us, because we want to see the heart of our God. And we will on Christmas Day as He gives His only Son, as He's lying in a manger, ready to die for us, so we can dwell with Him forever. May God be with you as you grow and as you hold on to His Word. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we praise and we thank You for sending Your one and only Son, Jesus, into this world. Uh, in, it, in Him... We see your heart, uh, your heart that has a passion to save, your heart that uh, has a passion for justice, and they're both found in Jesus. Uh, As we see him in your word, we thank you, and we're humbled uh, by your unbelievable love for us. Uh, Let us hold on to your word. Let us not neglect your word, because it's only in your word that we learn your heart, uh, and it's only through your word that we learn of your saving and merciful heart for sinners like us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for redeeming us through Jesus and restoring our relationship with you. Uh, During this Christmas season, we ask you to be with us. Let us make the word a priority, holding on to it, so we don't just know about you, but we know your heart. Let us grow in that every day. This word, the Bible, is not just a history book, but it's your word communicating with us on a daily basis. Let us get to know you better through it. In your name we pray, amen.